Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. Welcome to Lockdown Live, amen? I'm telling you, church, don't, don't get used to this. Hmm? Don't get used to it. This is, uh, you know, it seems like there's a lot of churches around the world, people around the world that, that think this is, the, this is the new thing that God's doing. I'm telling you, it's not, and it never will be. It never will be the new thing that God, God is not doing a new thing. God's doing the same thing he's always done. Amen. Speaking his word, sending people to preach his word, getting people healed, getting people baptized in the Holy Ghost, allowing his goodness and his power to be released through man. This is what God is doing. It's what he's always done. Amen. He's just looking for a people to do it through. Amen. He's looking for a people to do it through that will stand bold in the things of God, that will trust him more than anything's going on outside of these doors, that they'll trust him more than anything else and begin to walk in it. Amen. Allow him to lead them, to guide them and direct them in everything they do. And their power will be released. Amen. His goodness will be released. Amen. Because God is that good. Hallelujah. God is that good. Well, does anyone have any New Year's resolutions they've been, they've been putting together? I don't know. Do they do that so much over here? Yeah, they do that too? God, it's ridiculous, isn't it? You know, people, you, know, you hear all these New Year's resolutions like, man, I am going to lose weight this year, or I'm going to go for a walk this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something to get fit this year. I'm going to try to read through the Bible in one year. You know, I'm going to actually try to go to a church service, you know, more than once a month this year. You know, you see all these different things that, that people decide to do and they never, and maybe it lasts maybe for like one month. Amen. Because it's just something that they, they, they think they need to do, but it's not something that's changed on the inside of them. Church, I'll tell you, for the last several years, there's one thing, there's one thing only that I, that I, that I have a desire for every time we, we go into a new year. And, and to be quite frankly, it's something that, that is a desire in me every minute of every day. And I'm telling you, it's intimacy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an intimacy with the living God. I'm telling you, by this time next year, I want to be, I want to have more revelation. I want to be walking deeper, walking in closer union with him than I am right now, than I was last year. Amen. And, and 10 years from now, I want to be that much more deeper if Jesus tarries that long to come back. I, I don't want to be that much deeper in the things of God to where, to where it, it seems like I'm a baby Christian at the moment. I'm telling you, I, you know, we, we need to, we need to have a hunger for the things of God. The day in the age that we're living in, church. If there's anything you can do on this earth, I'm telling you, there's one thing. It can be a desire for him. Amen. A desire for him, a desire for more of him, a desire to know him more intricately and in depth than you ever have before. I'm telling you, church, this is what it's all about. Amen. you're never going to walk into the, to the fullness of what God has for you unless you get this thing stirred up on the inside of you. Unless there's a stirring on the inside of you, a stirring of the Spirit of God on the inside of you, that you fully just let go and allow Him to, to be Him in your life, amen? Allow Him to burn up everything that's not Him in you, amen? Allow Him to burn up everything in you that's not in Him, amen? I'm telling you, church, as we walk into this new year, uh, we, we need to get back, we, I believe, I believe we're stepping into a place of more simplicity, 
in the things of God. What, what do you mean by that? Because everything in this middle ground, everything in this gray area in the church, I, I, you can see it falling off left and right. And I'm telling you, God is calling us to back to a place of intimacy and back to a place that's in him, away from the shows, away from the, the performances, away from, you know, let's count numbers, away from, you know, how much money are we bringing in, but into one place. And it's, and it's, it's, it's seeking him with everything we have, seeking with him with all that we have, amen, and allowing him to change everything in us, amen, removing this, this worldly godless culture out of the church. Because I'm telling you, there is, a, there is a worldly culture that has infiltrated the church, and I'm telling you, it needs to leave, amen, it needs to leave out of this place, and we need to permit what is important to be important once again. Hmm? What is important to be important once again. I'm telling you, church, you understand what I'm saying there. Yeah, there, I'm telling you, there is some kind of depth into that, that, that little statement right there. If you'll just hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you. We got to allow what is important to be important once again. Not, not, not just your job, not just, not just your family, not just all these things. I'm telling you, there's one thing that needs to be important in your life, church. There's one thing. Amen. And the goodness of God will flow into every other aspect of your life. But you got to get that one thing. You got to get that one thing as a foundation, as a staple into your life. Amen. You know, we say this all the time. You know, Jesus, man, he needs to be your focus. You, know, you, need to, you need to put your eyes on Jesus. He needs to be your focus of your life. And, and Christians that have been saved for years are like, oh man, yeah, that's me. That, that, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, I've, I've already been there. Yeah, I've already done that. But I'm telling you when, you, when you look at their lives, there's no fruit, there's no evidence of that that's ever taken place in them. Now listen, I'm not trying to be hard. I'm not trying to be difficult. And I'm not trying to be critical on, on the church. But I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you the truth. Amen. We're, st we're stepping into a new year. We're stepping into, I'm, <laughs> church, things aren't going to be the way they used to be. Amen. And the closer we get to when Jesus comes back to this place, I'm telling you, things aren't going to be the same as they always were. Amen. Yes, we're still going to have the power of God. Yes, we still have the Holy Ghost. Yes, we have Jesus. But, I, but I'm telling you, you know, a lot of the things that were permitted in those days of past, they're not going to be permitted anymore because we're getting that much closer to Jesus coming back to this earth, to pulling up his church out of this land. Amen. And we have an absolute job we need to do. The church needs to wake up. We need to wake up and fulfill the call and the destiny that is upon our lives, you know? We've got to fulfill this call and this destiny that's upon our lives, you know? There has to be an evidence. Church, there needs to be an evidence of who, of who we are, of who we're following. You know, I know you, we've all probably heard this, uh, this comparison made here, you know? They say... You know, there has to be an evidence of being a Christian. It's just like a, it's just like a man that, was, that uh, was accused of murder and he gets, he gets put in, in the court system. He gets arrested and the prosecution comes and he gets before the jury and they're, and they're trying to show all the different reasons why they believe he is guilty. Amen. But see, the, the burden of proof is on the prosecution, right? It's not, not on the defense. It's, it's, on, it's on the prosecution. They have, they, have to, they have to come forth and they have to, they have to you know, submit the evidence, amen, to see why they believe that this man is guilty or why, he, or, and why he, or why he is not guilty, amen. But see, if you don't have enough evidence on that, you cannot, you cannot doesn't matter how much you believe, how much you want to, there, if there's not enough evidence, you'll never be able to prosecute that person and put them in prison. It can't happen. Not legally. It can't happen. Amen. But see, the same thing is with, is, is with us as Christians, is it not? Huh? You know, if we were, if we were uh, to be caught up in one of these, um, 
in one of these working farms or, or what, uh, what do you call it, concentration camps or something like that that's in, that's in China right now for, for people that are Christians. And they, and they, they grab them, they, they, they lock them up, and they say, you know, what is the evidence that this is really a Christian that we can keep them here or that we're going to murder them? What, what, what is the evidence that they are who they say they are? And if they come out and say, oh, well, they, they claim to be a Christian, which is a big deal, Right? That, that confession to be a Christian, that, that's a powerful thing. They say, well, they claim to be a Christian. You know, they, they have a couple verses memorized, you, you know. You know, they know when to say amen and praise God, you know. And he says, but do you have any other real hard evidence against them? They say, no, no, because the rest of their life looks just like the world. It looks just like the world. Do you think that you're going to get prosecuted against that? Do you think that that's enough evidence to, to, to commit you as being a Christian? I'm telling you, it's not. It's not. It's kind of like what the Lord is saying here. Again, we, need, we need to get off, the, get off the rail, get off the fence, and we need to step all the way into what Jesus, what the Lord has for each and every one of us. We need to get committed, church. You know, people need to be able to look at us and, and decide, you know what, that, that's a Christian right there. Why? Because they look like Jesus. They're, they're bearing Jesus' image. They're doing the exact same things Jesus has said. How many of y'all know that, that, that the government of China, they are not scared of Christians that wear a facade. They're, they're, not, they're not scared of, of the Christians that, that, are, that are wearing a mask, that, that are wearing a masquerade. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not scared of, of these type of Christians. I mean, me and my wife, when we went to adopt our daughter, we went over there and we're out in the middle of Nanjing and we're, uh, as, our, uh, as our translator and guide was kind of moving us around, showing us different things. And, and there was a church there and it, was a, it you know, had a cross on it. And I, and I looked over the guy and I said, what, what, kind of, what, is, what is that over there? What church is that? What does that say in Chinese? And she goes, oh, that's a, that's a Christian church. I said, a Christian church? She's like, yeah, yeah, it's a Christian church, you know? And I was like, oh, okay. And then I got back home, and, or not back home, but back to the hotel, and Kimber and I were talking about it. I said, what is that about that, what is a Christian church doing over there? She goes, um, yeah, it's not, it's not, they're not really Christian churches. I mean, they have the facade of a Christian church, amen? But see, they're, they're governed and they're ruled by the government. See, this, it's illegal to bring Bibles and distribute them into China. Why? Because the power of the living God's on the inside of them, amen? So what do these Christian churches do? They have, they have a facade of being a Christian church on the outside, amen? But see, they, they get taught what the government wants them to teach on the inside. That's why the church is underground in China. Why? Because see, they're not, they're not scared of some religious organization, but you know what they're scared of? They're scared of bold Christians that know the word of God, that are operating in the power of the Holy Ghost, speaking the word of God, dispelling darkness everywhere they go. They're afraid of those people. Why? Because it will destroy their government. Why? Because there's freedom in the word. There's freedom. It destroys the yoke that the adversary has for them. So what do they do? They make those things illegal, and you have to go underground. Amen? And you have to go underground. They're not, they're not fearful of religion. They're fearful of people being rebirthed and being alive in the things of God. Amen. It's amazing. It's powerful stuff. I'm telling you, church. The Lord says in, in, in Mark 16, Mark 16, 17, and 18, it says that, that there's going to be signs that follow believers. I'm telling you, one of my favorite verses in all the word. Why? Because I'm a believer. Amen. I'm a believer, and there are signs that follow a believer. I mean, not, not that they're made one believer, but not this believer. Another believer, but not this one. No, it says, there will be signs that follow the believer. Amen, that in the name of Jesus, they will cast out devils. Any of y'all in fear of a devil in here? 
I mean, they'll cast out the demonic spirits that, that, are, that, are, that are harming people. In the name of Jesus, being, being in Christ, you will be able to cast out devils. You'll have authority over devils is what that's saying. It says you'll speak in new tongues. Amen? This isn't something that, oh, well, that kind of church, they speak in tongues. No, no. This is a sign of the believer. See, churches are getting out of the place where, oh, don't, don't, don't pray in the Spirit. Don't allow tongues and interpretations come to the church. I'm telling you, it's a sign of a believer. Who's that from? Who's trying to remove these out of the church? Because I'm telling you, it's not Jesus. He said, this, that sign's going to follow you. Amen. It's a command. It's a command from the living God himself that we ought to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, endued with power, and speaking with other tongues. I hate to burst your bubble. <laughs> this is a command of the living God. I mean, we need to adhere to these things. Amen. It says, you will cast out devils. You shall speak in new tongues. You'll take up serpents. If you drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm you. And you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Are we in fear of any COVID-19 virus that's coming around here? I'm telling you, if you're a Christian, you ought not to be. Well, I can see that fear is going to be what allows that to come upon you. Amen. But I'm telling you, if you will stand in boldness of what the word says, you'll see those people with that disease or that virus on them. And you'll go lay your hands on them and watch that demonic spirit of, in that virus flee from them. I'm telling you. Why? Because I say it? No, because the word says it. Amen. It's the same with cancer. It's the same with tumors. It's the same with epilepsy. It's the same with the cold. It's the same with the sore throat. It's the same with anything that the adversary has tried to put up. Why? Because it's a curse. Amen. And Jesus has freed us from the curse. I mean, is there evidence? Is there evidence in you? Is there an evidence of what you believe? Amen. Are you a true Christian? See, these are these, these, are these people that get arrested. Amen. They're the ones that get beat. They're the ones that get martyred. The ones that have the evidence that Jesus is real on the inside of them. Amen. Mm. I'm telling you, I can hear, I can hear the legalistic police out there. Oh, look at pastor. He's only talking about works. He's talking about works and he's talking about that. And listen, I'm, I'm not talking about works in that sense that that is what brings you to God. But I'm telling you, when you have the God living on the inside of you, it will produce amazing works in your life. It will, it has no choice but to produce amazing works in your life if you will yield to it. If you will yield to it, amen? Hmm. I'll also say that. I also say that I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I necessarily believe that uh, as, as we get this picture of people preach all the time that, that God is some guy with a, with a black coat or a gown or a robe on and a gavel sitting, sitting behind the, the judge's table right there having Jesus you know, arguing on one side and Satan arguing on the other side. I'm telling you, that, that picture that, that religion has painted our, our faces, I'm telling you, it will make you struggle. Amen. I'm telling you, God is not the one with the gavel sitting behind there wait, waiting just to slam down guilty for something bad that you've done. I'm telling you, the accuser has no power over you. Amen. He's not arguing and Jesus is trying to prove your point. I'm telling you, he, ha he has no business in the courtroom. Amen. God, God is a judge. Yes. Yes, he is a judge, but he's not the judge looking to come and punish you for things that you've done. I mean, he's a judge like the judge of the Old Testament. I mean, see, there's a book written about judges. Amen. What were they? They were ones that, that, that they brought forth. They protected their people. They protected Israel. They protected people. And they, 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 they moved them. They guided them. They directed them. They defeated the foes that were coming against them. Yes, we have a judge. And what does he do? He judges anything that comes against his love. 
Anything that comes against his love, anything that comes against his name, anything that comes against his word, anything that comes against his people. This, this is our God. This is our God. Now, yes. Yes, there's going to be some people on the, on the flip side of that. I mean, there, there will be people that, are, that, are, that don't yield unto who our God is, that, that, come, that, uh, that, are, that have an unbelieving posture, if you will. Amen. That, that will be on the, on the backside of his wrath. Amen. Why? Because God will, God will protect his people. He will protect his name. He, is, he will fulfill and protect his word. Amen. But that's why we need to be serious about the things of God. Hmm? That's why we need to step in fully to the things of God. This, this is our call. Those people that have an unbelieving posture, this is our call <laughs> to pull them out of that and introduce them to a living God. Introduce them to the, to the goodness of the living God. Give them the, the permission, give them the, the right, give them the okay to, to repent and to choose the God over this world. I mean, this, this is our call. Not to, not to be silent, not to be hiding in the closet. Amen? To be releasing the kingdom of God in everything that we do. Amen? Hmm. I think we need a perception change. I think we need a perception change of who our God is. Amen? Stop looking through the lenses of religion and start looking through the lenses of Jesus and through his word. And through his words, I'm telling you, uh, the statement that, uh, that Damon Thompson makes, and it's, it's powerful, and says that Jesus, Jesus is the Abba, or Jesus is the Father. You know, or Jesus, you know, the Father is revealed in Jesus. You can't find anything, amen? You can't find anything in Jesus that you can't find in the Father. How many of y'all agree with that statement? How many of y'all agree with the statement, you can't find anything in the Father that you can't find in Jesus? Hmm? See, see what you see in the Old Testament? <laughs> That's the Father. <laughs> that, that is our Lord. He is the same God of the Old Testament as he is of the New Testament. Amen. He, he didn't change. Amen. The same loving God you see in Jesus is the same loving God you'll find in your Father. Amen. If you'll look through, if you'll look through the Word with the correct lenses. Amen. Look through, look through it outside of religion and, and that God's coming here to punish you and destroy you. And, and find out that, that God is Jesus, amen? They, they, they are different, but they are one, amen? Just like Jesus said when, when Philip came, how, 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 how can you say you've never, you've never, you wanna see the Father when, you, when you've been around me for this long? How, how can you say you wanna see the Father? If you've seen me, you've seen him. If, you, if you've seen me, if you know my personality, you've seen the Father, amen? Our Father's good, he's a good God. He's a good God that, that, uh, that desires good things for each and every one of us, amen? He desires good things for each and every one of us. Now, as he's been speaking here, you know, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about opportunities, right? The opportunities that, that God has been setting up for us, because he said, if, you will, if you'll get your eyes off the carnal things, if you'll, get your, if you'll open up your spiritual ears, amen, and your spiritual eyes, and stop focusing on the circumstances that are going on around you in 2020 and in 2021, he goes, you'll find the opportunities I've set before you. That you will find the opportunities that I have set before you. Now, how do we do this, though? Hmm? See, I say this all the time, but, but, but how do we do this? 
How do, you, how do you open up these spiritual ears? How do you, how do you start looking through your spiritual eyes? How, how do you hear when these opportunities are coming to place? How do we do these things? I'm telling you, it's a simple word that we've been talking about for the last several, last year. Intimacy. It's intimacy. It's intimacy with the living God. The intimacy will open up your eyes. It will open up your, your spiritual ears to where you'll hear what he is speaking to you. Because I'm telling you, God still speaks. And God will still show you things. Amen. We've got to get to that place where we're in such union with him. Amen. That, that we hear what he desires for us. That we allow him to speak to us and we begin to move and operate in these things. How many of y'all know that God doesn't speak to your flesh? See, so much of the world, so much of the church now, we, we think that God is going to speak to our minds and speak, speak to us for it by circumstances that are going. That's not how God deals with us. He deals with our spirit. He's not speaking up here. He speaks down here. Amen. He speaks to your spirit, man. And we've we got to learn to open up those ears, you know. Um, Jason, I believe he gave a pretty good example this last week when he was talking about... Uh, uh, Paul and Silas, when they're in the Philippian jail there in, in Acts chapter 16, which is a powerful message, by the way. If you haven't listened to it, you need to go back and, and, and grab a hold of that. But I'm telling you, it was, it was such an a, a on-point message, even, even with intimacy. You can see you had, these, you, know, you had Paul and you had Silas, and they, they got beaten, they got bruised, their backs were shredded open. They're in the, the, the lower prison you know, where, where some scholars would say that even the sewer was flowing through there. And what did they do? They weren't, they weren't cursing God. They weren't cursing Rome. They weren't cursing anything about it. They began to pray, and they began to praise they began to pray and they began to praise. Amen. To where everything became silent. People began to listen. All you could hear is these men that were beaten, bruised, and abused. Amen. Praising and praying unto the living God. And I'm telling you what, what happened. The, the jail began to shake. Doors flew open. Chains fell off. Amen. And it completely changed the environment around them. It completely changed the environment around them. They've got to fulfill the call that God had, had for them. Amen. Now, how were, how were they able to do that? In such a place of persecution and, and, and misery and, and a stench and what, whatever else. How, how can they be in that place? They trusted God so much that they knew that they, he was, that they were in his will. They, they trusted him that much. I mean, do we, do we have that kind of trust for God? That doesn't matter what things look like. Doesn't matter what happens at your job. Doesn't matter what, what nation he sends you to. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what things look like on the outside. Do we have enough trust in the living God that, that we know that if he's told us to go somewhere, if he's told us to do something, that we will do it? Amen. This, this is where we need to grow into. Listen, they knew his heart. See, they didn't know just about God. <laughs> That's good there, Lord. They didn't know just about God, but they knew him. They knew God. I mean, they know about him. They, 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 yes, they knew, they knew some doctrinal things. They knew, they knew things about the word, but they, but they knew him. Amen. They knew him. You know, Peter visited the centurion. Amen. And uh, the, the Roman centurion named Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. Amen. And preached an amazing word. He had a vision, a vision. And then some Gentiles came and grabbed him and, and took him over to this Roman centurion. And Peter preached the word into this Roman centurion. Preached the word of God, and the power of God fell down, and they got baptized in the Holy Ghost. These Gentiles got baptized in the Holy Ghost. It had never happened up to this point in time. 
up to the point where he got, he went, after he got done with this, he, he went back, he went got back to the guys, went back to the crew, went back to Jerusalem, and he got called upon the carpet, if you guys understand what that statement means. He got, he got called uh, in front of the other leadership, amen, and had to explain himself. They said, what, what, what were you doing over there? You went and ministered to Gentiles? Don't you know you're, we're not allowed? God doesn't care anything about them. And Peter, by the boldness of the Spirit of God, said, no, 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 no guys, listen, I had a vision. I had a vision. The Holy Ghost gave me this vision and I went and then I, and then these Gentiles came just like the Holy Ghost said. And then I followed them over to this house and I began to preach the word of God and the spirit of God fell upon them just like he did with us. Just like he did with us. And they're like, oh, wow. Wow. Now church, this was nine years after Pentecost. Nine years after the Holy Ghost fell upon the, the, the apostles. Nine years after that happened. How did he, how did, how, did, how did Peter step outside of this dogmatic religious certitude that you can't, you can't go minister unto them? You can't go do that. No, it's only for this sect. It's only for this people. How, how did he step outside of those dogmatic certitudes? Intimacy. He began to, he began to seek out and, and find God's heart in things instead of just knowing about them. He found out who God was instead of just knowing about him. Yeah, go with me here to Acts chapter 9 here. This is a, this is a good one here too. You know, Paul, on his way up to Damascus to persecute the church, Paul, he was Saul before he became Paul, Amen. Was on his way up to Damascus with letters from the, the head the head priest going to going to persecute the church, going to you know put them in prison, going to you know kill them if they need to be killed, whatever, whatever it may be. Amen. He he made his way up, he made his way up, amen, into Damascus. We go turn the heater on. I think it went off there. Yep. And on his way up there, he he was on his donkey. Amen. He was riding on his donkey and, and Jesus himself came and visited him. Amen. Knocked, his, knocked him off his donkey. The glory of God was so powerful it blinded him. Amen. So, and then what did he do? He got him and said, what would you have me to do, Lord? And, and, he, and he went and he said, I'll, I'll show you what to do. And he, he had these guys that were with him. They guided him up to Damascus. And, and in verse 9 here it says, and he was there three days without sight. Neither did he eat or neither did he drink. It says, and there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And, and him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. He said, behold, I'm here, Lord. And the Lord said to him, arise and go into the street, which is called straight and inquire and inquire into the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prays. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming to him and putting his hands upon him that he might have sight. He goes, I've given him a vision that a man with your name is going to come and he's going to put his hands on him and he shall see. And then Ananias answered him and said, Lord, I've heard many things of this man. How much evil he's done to your, your saints in Jerusalem. And here he had the authority from the, from the chief priest to bind all that call on his name. You know, see, see, Ananias, you know, much or unlike much of the church nowadays, he had no doubt that God would heal, uh, would, was going to heal Saul. He had no doubt about that. 
He said, go lay your hands. He said, oh, I know. If I go, if I go lay hands on this man, he's going to get healed. Why? Because it's what the word says. I mean, he wasn't a bunch of unbelief in, in this disciple right here. But he did have a concern. He did have fear. And what was that? If I go and lay hands on this man, God, Jesus, if I go and lay hands on Saul, you heal him. This guy's scales come off. He's able to see what's going on. Amen. What's he going to do? Is he going to kill me? Is he going to arrest me when he sees that I'm a Christian doing these things? God, are you sure it's Saul you want me to go do this to? See, he wasn't in fear about laying his hands on him. He was in fear about what's going to happen when I lay my hands on him. Is he going to arrest me? Or is, is he going to persecute me? Huh? In verse 15, the Lord said to him, No, just go your way. Go your way, for he's a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the king and the children of Israel. For I will show him great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, and he entered into the house, and he put his hands upon him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee on the way that you came, he goes, he sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell upon his eyes, and immediately there fell from his eyes as if it were scales, and he received sight thereof, and he arose and he was baptized. He was, rose up. He was baptized in the Holy Ghost. Amen. A powerful, powerful story. You know, but listen, if you, if you pay attention to what the, what the conversation that was going on here, you know, the Lord didn't say, yeah, don't worry about Ananias. You're not going to get arrested. You're not going to get put in jail. You're not going to get stoned to death for blasphemy. You're not, none of those things are going to happen. You just go do and what I asked. That's, that's not what he said, is it? No, he said, you just go. You, you go. You go take care of this. You go do what I asked you to do because he's a chosen, he is a chosen vessel unto me. Now, how, how did this man, how did this disciple go to the guy that was the most vicious person against the church? How did he have enough wherewithal to go, to go and to do what God asked him to do without having any fear of doing it? He was intimate. He was intimate with the things of God. Church, he had a two-way conversation with God. He spoke, I'm t- this is a novel idea, church. When we go and we get into the presence of God and we begin to pray, God will speak back to you. I mean, this is, this is so crazy. I mean, 90% of the church doesn't even believe this nowadays. I'm telling you, church, God wants to have a two-way conversation with us. But what does it take? It takes intimacy. It takes, it, get, it takes you to get out of that place where all you do is go out and you roll out your laundry list of things that you need him to do for you and then roll it back up and then walk off the seem like that's all prayer is about. No, prayer is conversation. I mean, prayer is a fancy word that we use in the church. All it means is having a two-way conversation with the living God. But see, you're going to have to sit there long enough, be quiet long enough, shut your mouth long enough to where you can actually hear him speak back to you. I mean, because see, God wants, he wants to speak to you. He wants to direct you. He wants to answer the questions. I mean, I'm telling you, I did this for many years of my life. It's like, I have all these questions, God, and you're not answering any of them, you know? Why? Because I go ask a question, and then I close everything up, and I walk out of the room after I answer the question, ask the question. Now sit there. Allow him to speak back to you. Because he, he will speak to you, but he's not, he's not going to speak up here. He'll, he'll speak nice and quietly into your spirit, man. If you'll get into that place of intimacy with him. I'm telling you, church, are we, are, are we tuned in? Are we in that much union with God that you allow him to speak back to you? Hmm? 
Have you, have you come into that place of intimacy? Because see, this, this was Christianity 101 back in the days of the, at the beginning of the church. But where we are now in 2021, have we, are we into that place where we can step into intimacy to where we can actually hear from him? Despite what religious, religious doctrines say nowadays. Hmm? I'm telling you, we have a God that desires to speak to you. It's amazing how so many of us have one-sided conversations with God and we wonder why we're not, yeah, we're, we're, we're missing the opportunities that he lays before us. We're, we're missing our calls. We're not stepping into our destinies that he has for us. I mean, you're not, you're not, you're not giving them the time of day to, to hear from them. Hmm. I'm telling you, God wants to speak to you. People say, oh, well, pastor, that's easy for you. You're a pastor. God's going to speak to you. You know what I say? That's a rubbish excuse. That's a rubbish excuse designed for people that don't want to have his leading, that don't, that don't care what he wants to lead you to do. Amen? You try to lead him to what you want to do. Amen? So we don't sit there and allow him to speak back to us. But I'm telling you, if you, if you want to know him, church, I'm telling you, he's wooing you. He's calling you. If you want to get to that secret place and hear from him, I'm telling you, he's calling you. But you're going to have to submit yourself to it. You are going to have to yield to it. You are going to have to, to press into those things. Here in verse, in verse 10 here, you know, if you scroll back up there in verse 10, it says, And there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias. It didn't say it was an apostle or a prophet or evangelist or a pastor or a teacher. This was a disciple. This is someone that had evidence of the living God on the inside of them. Someone that, someone that God knew. You say, well, why didn't God use Peter or John or, or Pastor James? Or why didn't he use one of these great men of God to go could do this? So I'm telling you, because he was a great man of God. Ananias was a great man of God. Amen. He, he had the living God living on the inside of him. And God knew all I got to do is go speak to this man. He'll walk across the street. He'll go lay hands on this guy. Why? Because he's intimate with me. He knows my heart. He knows my heart and he's willing to submit himself to it. He's willing to submit himself to it. Amen. But we got we to gotta get our, ourselves in the, in the place, church, that we'll hear from him. That we'll hear from him. You know, when I was, uh, <laughs> when I was in second grade, I believe it was, there uh, in Dallas, Texas, you know, I decided I wanted to go by James because my first name is James and my second name is Ryan. So, and for some reason, I get called Ryan and I like James better. I think James is a better name, you know? So, so I was going to go to school and, and I was just going to have the school start calling me James and everything was going to go all right, you know? But, but see, when I got to the school and they say, James Penn, I was like, yep, I, li- I lifted up my hand, you know? And then, but see, all my mates, everyone else around me, they all called me Ryan because that's what they knew me by, you know I mean? So, so when, as, as the days progressed in school and the teacher would, get on to me for talking or whatever it was. And she'd be like, James, 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 James. You know, but I didn't have ears to hear what, what she was saying, right? Because my name wasn't James. I go by Ryan. Amen. I'm telling you, church, it's the same thing with God. You got to put yourself in the position to hear from him. A- amen. We got to put ourselves in the position where we can hear from him without, without any of these re- religious junk going on in the inside of us. Amen. Let me, let me get off of there and kind of move forward with what, what I have here. So what is intimacy? What is intimacy? 
Amen. Because if this is a if this is going to be a foundational expression of this church, Amen, of, of, of every church that God has planted, what what is intimacy? Because I've had I've had several people come up to me and ask me about this. Why? Because they have a desire to be on the same page, Amen. To where to when we're speaking things and we're moving, we all know what we're talking about and we are we are moving forward with what God is trying to speak to the church, Amen. So so what is it? You can write. I I looked up the definition of it, Amen. Because I am that good. It says, defined in the Oxford Dictionary, it says it is a, a close familiarity, a closeness, an attachment, or togetherness. Or I would add a unity, right? It says it's also defined as a euphemism for sex or sexual relations. Amen. But it is, it is a closeness, a familiarity, a clo- uh, an attachment, togetherness, or a union. Amen? Now listen, intimacy. Intimacy is the difference of, of knowing about someone as the knowing the depths of someone. You understand what I'm trying to say? See, it's like, it's like Marcus Rashford. Right? See, I know, I know about him. Right? He's a great footballer. You know, he has, a, he has a charitable heart, a big giving heart. I mean, he gives loads of money back into the city. And he doesn't, and he doesn't want the, the fame and fortune from him. He usually keeps it secret. I mean, he, he, does, he does these things as an act of in, in silence. Amen. Because he doesn't want the credit for it. Amen. I know that he plays for the best football club in the Premier League. Brother John. <laughs> I say, I know, I know these things about him. Amen. I know, I know who Leo Varadkar is. Amen. I know, I don't necessarily agree with everything he does politically, but, but I know things about him. I know his, his leadership style. I know how he desires to lead. I know the things that he, he put in place as he was leading the Republic of Ireland here. I know these things. I know, I know all about Smith Wigglesworth. I've studied after him. He's an amazing British apostle of faith. I mean, I can, I can explain to you his doctrines. I can, I can show you how it shaped the some of the things that I believe. I can preach some of the testimonies that he's even given in his life. I've, I've, I've read it. I've studied after him. Church, I know, I know different people like Wesley and Calvin, Martin Luther, A.A. A. Allen, Jack Coe, Brother Hagen. I know these men. I know, I know all about them because I studied after them and I know intricacies of, of what they've done. You know, great testimonies and faith moves and, and amazing things that have happened through them. But church, I've never shaken one of their hands. I haven't went up and I haven't shaken not one of their hands. Every one of them are dead. I haven't shaken their hands. I haven't, I haven't set up with endless, night-long, you know, tireless hour after hour after hour conversations into the, into the wee mornings of the night. I, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't had that opportunity with either any one of them. See, I know, I know all about them, church. I know all about these men. But I don't know them. Amen? I don't know them. I mean, because there's a difference in knowing something about someone and being intimate with them. You know, you know, my wife sitting over here in Kimberly. You know, see, I can tell you endless facts about her. Endless facts. I, I know it all. I know, I know her history. I know the things she's done. I know the things she wishes she hasn't done. I know her goals. I know aspirations from things that we've communicated and talked about and probably many people know in here. But see, that's not, that's not the only thing I know about her. Amen? Because see, in the posture of intimacy, there's things that I don't know, church, that you'll never know. Why? Because they've been there for these years only. 
Because it's in that depth of intimacy that it's only, it's only for me. It's not, it's not for you. Amen. It's that difference of knowing just about someone and knowing the depths of someone. Getting to that place of having that desire to know the depths of someone. You know, I would say, I would say marriage is the greatest example you can use in intimacy. A solid Christian marriage is the greatest example we can use it for intimacy. It's, it mirrors in the word. The word mirrors it as, as our relationship with Christ. You know I mean, as, as, that, as intimate as you can get with the love of your life. Amen. Is the same desire that Jesus has for us. Church, he, he calls us, you know, he, he, we are, he is the, uh, we are, he's the bridegroom. We are the, we are the bride. He is the bridegroom. Amen. Everything is about this, this intimate marriage relationship, even with him. Amen. Like, why? Because this is what he's calling us into. He, he wants to be, he don't want to just be one of your mates that you, you see down the street and you say hello. He, he wants to be intimate where he can reveal the depths of what he knows, the depths of what he desires for you and allow you to reveal those things unto him. Amen. He wants to know these depths. We need, we need to get to this place of, hmm, of vulnerability with him. A vulnerability to, to release all and desire all and to dig further and further and further. You know, as I make this parallel here, you know, church, listen, I'm not, I'm not talking about a sexual relationship here. Amen. Yeah, because I think that can get confused when people are, are when we're talking about intimacy. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about a sexual relationship. Now, sex may be a, a euphemism for intimacy, but I'm telling you, it's not intimacy. It may be a euphemism for it, but it is not intimacy. I mean, it's a product of it. It's a product of it. I mean, the world, this adversary has taught this world that, that, that we need to get the cart before the horse, amen? We need to, we need to go after the harvest before we, before we plant seeds, amen? Go, go, after, go after the end result. Go after, go after the sex before you even get intimate, amen? And to where you can see the world, even a lot of the church world goes after these things nowadays. But I'm telling you, you this, that, that thought, amen, trying to get the fruit before seed is even planted in the ground. I'm telling you, it's what destroys marriages. It destroys them. It gets them, it gets them, off, it gets them off balance. Why? Because you've got to plant the seeds. You've got to get that the intimacy and allow everything flow from that. Amen? With it, whether it be your, your marriage relationship or even our relationship with our, with our Lord, you know, that every, every good and perfect gift that he has, it flows from intimacy with him. Amen? It flows from the goodness of intimacy with him. I don't know, church. I'll tell you. <laughs> you know, sex has never sustained marriages. No matter what kind of men you talk to. But intimacy will. 100% of the time. 100% of the time. And from this place of intimacy, I can guarantee you, you will reap a greater harvest. <laughs> you will reap a greater harvest than you ever deemed possible. 
Amen. And you ever deem possible, but it all comes from being seated in intimacy. Amen. It all becomes from the place of being seated in intimacy. I think we, I think we as a church, you know, we, we've, we've got, or as the world, I guess I should say, we've come like a Burger King society, amen? I, say, I don't know if y'all got those old commercials like we, like we had back in the stage years ago, but for the, you know, the, that you, know, you can have it your way and you can have it right now. Amen. See, this is what we want. We want that the same thing with God. I mean, we, we want it our way and we want it now. You know, kind of like, you know, the famous quote from Baruch Assault. I want an Oompa Loompa and I want it now. You, you know, this is the, this is that desire that, that we have as people. We think, we think we, we can have it our way and we want it right this second. But I'm telling you, church, intimacy takes time. Intimacy, intimacy takes time. It takes time. It's kind of like when you meet the, the love of your life, if yours are anything like ours. You, know, you stay up all night long talking on the phone you know, or sitting at the park talking for hours on end, just, just talking and talking. They, you know, she or he, they become the, the center of your life. Amen. The center of your, your, your very desire to be in existence here. Your, your very desire of why you woke up in the morning. The, the very desire of what you want to do after you get out of uni or whatever it may be. But that, that your world begins to revolve around that one person. Church, you can have that with God. You can have that with the Lord. Amen. That's not just this, this relationship here is mirrored. It's supposed to, to show us you know, this relationship here, that you can have that here, that that same, that same drive, that same passion that you have for, for, your, for your wife or for your husband, that, that's that same passion, that same love, that same drive to where we wake up in the morning and that's all we want to seek, that we want to talk to, that we want to chat with. You know, like I was talking to uh, Jason or somebody in here, you know, like, would y'all stay up till, till, till midnight? And I said, yeah, it's probably the first time I had in years besides last year when we did the meeting, you know. And I said, and I was looking at, watching my clock, you know, as I was, you know, reading what people were saying on Facebook, amen. And it hit 12.01. I was standing up just to that. I said, you know, you know, happy new year, Lord. And then like my eyes closed and I was out, you know, because I was, I was tired. But it, it was just as simple as that. I mean, why? Because, because. Because he's on my mind in everything I do. This is this constant communication. You know, Paul talks about, you know, pray without ceasing. You know, how do you pray without ceasing? Church, you've got to be intimate. You've got to have a desire to be, to be him. He has to be everything in your life. You're, he has to, you have to, you, he has to, you have to, he has to be the, you have to, um, how's, that, how's that saying go here? You need to be circling around his universe or, or something like that, amen? But he, he, you know, he, he needs to be that important in, in each and every one of your lives, amen? Let me finish off with this here because I, I have a real sense that I'm getting into a rambling mode here. So let's go to Philippians here. One of my favorite scriptures in all the world here that has changed me in the last several years. Starting in verse, uh, chapter three, verse seven here, it says, but these, but what things, what things were gained to me that have I counted loss for Christ? He goes, yet doubtless I, I count all things but loss for the excellency 
of the knowledge of Christ for Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but as dung that I may win Christ. What's he talking about? Well, if you skip up the few verses before, you know, he's saying that, that I have this confidence in my flesh, amen, that, that I was circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew among Hebrews, touching the laws of Pharisee, talking about how, how amazing all these powerful things that he did through religion. Now he comes to this place where he's saying, now I see all these things as absolute rubbish. Everything that I've achieved, I've seen as rubbish. Listen to this in the Amplified here. It's powerful. It says, it says, yet furthermore, he goes, I count everything as lost compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, the supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and eagerly. For his sake, I have lost everything. I've lost all my rights for boasting. And I consider it all mere rubbish, refused, the dregs. I, I consider it dung in order that I may win, that I may win, gain Christ, the anointed one. Christ, the anointed one. Amen. This, this prize of knowing Jesus, is it more valuable than anything else we have in our lives? Hmm? Is, it, is it more valuable than is it more valuable than your bank account is it, is it more valuable than, than your mates is it more valuable than your house or your prized possession car or, or your job or your, your university you know, uh, uh, degree or whatever it may be is it more valuable than that because that's where that intimacy tries to come but see there's a balance in intimacy amen now, I got, I, got, and I got to say this, you know, because this is, you know, that we got we to stay on the straight and narrow on things. There is a balance to intimacy. You say, what is that? That's word and the spirit. Amen. That's word and his presence. You got, you got to have both. You can't have one without the other. You, you have to have both in everything that we do. You know, in 1 Timothy 1, 6, it says, study the show yourself approved unto God. Unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It says, it says, show yourself, study to show yourself approved unto who? Unto your pastor? Unto your parents? Unto your friends? Unto your family? Unto the people that are on the street watching what you're doing? No, it says, show yourself to be under, uh, show your, study to show yourself to be approved unto who? Unto him. What are you concerned with? Be a, be, he, we need to seek approval from him. You don't need my approval. You need his approval. Amen. Seek his approval. Not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In 2 Timothy 1.6, it says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in me by the putting on of my hands. Paul, speaking to his spiritual son there, he says, he says, he goes, stir up. You know, I can't stir up the gift in you. He goes, you stir up the gift that's already in you. Stir it up. You know, if you look in the Greek, that, that's talking about stoking a fire is what, is what it's talking about. Listen, church, you can, you know, you can put, you know, there's different things you can put on a fire to get it going. You can go, you can throw petrol on a fire and it'll blow up in your face and be powerful and produce a lot of heat, but it's real quick and, it, and it's gone. See, that's what church is like. You come to church, you get filled up. It's a power. It blasts off. You get excited. You get filled up and you're ready to go out to the week. But I'm telling you, it does not sustain you for the rest of the week. 
I mean, we need to put we need to put timber, we need to put coal, you need to put turf on the fire, you need to put something that that lasts, that's slow burning, that that keeps you going and going and going and going. What is that? That is the word and the spirit. Amen. It's it's studying the word of God, it's pressing in. Into, into spirit life. It's pressing into a prayer life. It's not, and I'm telling you, church, if you're just going to church once a week, if you're going just twice a week, I don't care if you're going three or four times a week, I'm telling you, it's not enough. All it is is like fireworks. You, you have to have an intimate life. You have to have a lifestyle of intimacy, amen? And that involves you. <laughs> and that involves you doing it on your own. Don't get out of balance. We need both of them. In verses 9, how am I doing on time here? Oh, glory to God. I got 20 minutes. And it says, and he found in him, that was a joke, by the way. And he found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith in, in Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith. It says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. By, if by any means I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead. If any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. If he says if I may continually die over and over and over and rid myself of any DNA of this world that's on the inside of me. I allow nothing but the kingdom to be left. In verse 12, it says, not as though I've already attained to this, either if I was already perfect or if, I was, uh, if I'm already been complete in this. He goes, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. If I may grip, in other words, what the thing that has gripped me. I'm telling you, church, this is, this is my life. I am seeking after every day of what gripped me in 2008. There is a meeting that I got gripped. I was in the power of God. The, the full gospel was preached the first time I've ever heard it in my life. And, and, and the spirit of God was moving. I'm telling you, I came, I came face to face with the living God. And I'm telling you, I've been gripped by it. And I've been seeking after it every day of my life since then. It changed me from the inside out. I'm telling you, is it important where you go to church? Is it important what you hear? Is it important what you get? I'm telling you, it'll change your life. It'll change your life. Hmm. In verse 13, it says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to the things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He goes, I press forward. You know, you know sometimes there's a labor involved in it. You know, intimacy just don't come. I mean, you got to press in towards it. That's why I use that word all the time, press in. It's like pressing something into something that doesn't fit. Sometimes you got, you got a work you got to do. You know, my pastor would, would, would describe this as going up, going up an escalator that's going down. As the escalator is going down, you're trying to walk up it. Why? Because there's a work involved to get intimate. There's a work involved to get to the things of God. There's a work involved to, to get deeper revelations and, and all these things that God has prepared for us. It's a work and you need to work. You need to be steady. You need to be pressing towards the mark to get up to the top of that escalator because what's going to happen if you stop? 
go right back down. I don't care if you're all the way up at the very top. I'm telling you, you will, you will slowly make your way all the way back down. It is something that we need to do with consistency and pressing in to seek the things of God. And, and they, they will be revealed to you, but we have to work at it. Amen. We have to play our part. Now I'll finish off with this verse. So why don't you come on up here, John? It says, I press toward the mark for the prize of his, of his high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It says, let therefore as many be perfect, thus minded. If anything be otherwise minded, God shall reveal them unto you. Let me, let me read this in the Passion. It sounds so much better here. It says, in verse 15, it says, So let all who are fully mature have this same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal them to you. God will reveal them to you. You know, I said last week that the d- desire for intimacy is the first step. It's the first step to walking out of religion and walking out of self-idolatry. That desire for intimacy. So this is my, so my prayer for you, church, as we walk into this new year, is that you be utterly gripped by him. That you have that experience where you get gripped and it leaves you panting, desiring, hurting on the inside to go after and grab a hold of what grabs a hold of you, church. But listen, I... I can talk about it. I can preach about it. I can give you my own examples of things that have happened in my own life. But I'm telling you, all I can do is, is, is poke and prod at your fire. You're going to have to take a hold of it. The desire is going to have to come from you. You're going to have to want him. You're going to have to want more. I'm telling you, does does anyone want more deeper revelations in the things of God? I'm telling you, you're going to have to desire. You can't, you know, I'm going to get them because I'm going after it. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to walk into, into, into different callings. I'm going to walk into, to greater things that I, that I never deemed possible. I never thought I could do in my life. I'm telling you, I'm going to be walking after him. Why? Because I'm seeking after him. Amen. And my, my, stopping point, my glass ceiling has been destroyed because it's not mine anymore. I'm, I'm walking after him. I'm seeking after him. I just want to encourage you guys, get in that place. Get in that place. Hmm. So let me pray. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you, Lord. That you're a God that desires us. You're a God that wants us. You're not a God that leaves us. But you're a God that's ever desiring to pull us towards you. Pull us into the depths of intimacy. Pull us into the depths of not only your knowledge, but your love and your compassion and your goodness. Not only your power, Father, we thank you. Father, I release that. I I speak that word upon this church, upon the people that watch on podcasts, the people that are watching on the live stream. Lord, I, I thank you. 
Father, that they yield, that they commit themselves under this pulling. That they stop fighting you and lean into you. They stop pushing it back against you, Lord, and, and desire to lay their head in your lap. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I praise you. I praise you. But I will tell you this, church, as I, as I, as I stop here. That you're going to have a real hard time. Thank you, Lord. That you're gonna have, we are going to have a real hard time as the body of Christ if we don't have the fullness of God, not only on the inside of us, but operating upon us coming upon each and every one of us. I'm telling you, see, we can desire, we can desire the things of God, but I'm telling you, we have to do things the way God desires us to do it. Hmm? We got to yield ourselves into him. So, so I want to open, I want to open this up. That if you are desiring more him, maybe you just, maybe you need to come up here and you just need to seek him out. you haven't been baptized in the Holy Ghost, I would say, come on up here because see, this is, this is your first step into, into that place of intimacy to where you can begin to hear from him. See, these aren't, these aren't choices that, that we should be making. These are commands that the Lord has given us. If you need to be refreshed in the Holy Ghost, because it's like, man, I, that happened one time, happened years ago, man, and that, I, just don't, I just don't know if, I, if, if I'm really, I don't even know if I believe in it, I don't know, I just don't even know if it can happen anymore, I'm telling you, this is, this is that time where you need to come get it. And I'd say, I wish this church was full of people right now, because I'm telling you, God's all over us. He's all over it. He has an expectation that people yield to it. So I just want to invite any of the handful of people that we have up here, because this, this is something I've been doing on a daily basis. And I want you guys to, to join in with me, if you will, if you're bold enough, if you want to. And then to our friends and family that are on our live stream, we, we say, God bless you. <laughs> and we'll see you soon. Thank you.